Has the news got you down? Not with these funny guys. You're listening to Lighten Up with Steve Miller and Roya Mosinian. (laughs) (laughs) Shalom, shalom, everybody. Hey, guess what day it is? That's right. It's Monday again. You know what that means. It's Lighten Up on Intro News Talk Radio. My name is Steve Miller, and I am panicking. But first, let's welcome my co-host, Mr. Yosef Kaner. Howdy do. Tell everyone, tell everyone why you're panicking. Oh, Yosef. First of all, it's, I'm a one week away from leaving Galut, and the Israeli consulate still has not sent my... My visa, I'm panicking because I'm afraid Hashem is making me sweat it out. I don't know if I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> I have uh, no visa. They have my um, passport. And just to let all of our uh, listeners know, like five minutes before the show, I'm telling Yosef about this. And what does he do? He gets up on the phone. Did you call the Israeli consulate for me? No, I called Nefesh Benefesh. Oh, <laughs> he called Nefesh Benefesh and started... My friend Steve Miller, he doesn't have his visa. How, what's the percentage, do you think, of him not getting on the plane? Does this happen often anyway? It's just so funny. I'm like, first of all, I thought you were making a regular phone call. I'm like, is this guy nuts? We're going on the air in five minutes. He's calling a buddy. But thank you for that. I appreciate you being an advocacy because uh, the Jewish agency and Nefesh Benefesh, they rarely return phone calls and emails. And I can't even get a human being to answer the phone on the Jewish agency it just goes from voicemail to voicemail, and then it disconnects you. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, people. I may be in Israel next week. I may not. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, that is why I'm panicking. <laughs> well, they, they did say that if you don't have your visa like the day or two before the flight, so they'll just put you on the next flight. Yeah. And I know you you went under the impression that it's going to be in like December or something like that, but she said it's pretty frequent. So All right. Well, the Jewish holidays are coming up next week, and I have a date. I have a date in Jerusalem. If I get on the flight the next day, I'm going to miss my date, okay? <laughs> I already have a date set up. Isn't that amazing? How beautiful is Hashem? You set me up on a date. All right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll go on a date with jet lag. <laughs> I don't get jet lag. Uh, anyway, let's uh, welcome our listeners who are listening to my uh, panic. Of course, the United States of China, Israel, oh, India, Slovakia, Germany. Oh, wow. Check it out. Iran is listening. Wow. And Sweden. Hello, everybody. To Iran. Hello, Iran. How are you? Is there any way maybe I could fly to Iran? and You, somehow... ra- you, you ran. I walked. <laughs> Anyway, <clears throat> so, Yosef, how was your uh, Shabbat? Very good, I assume? Shabbat was very good. Cat Lady actually did not yell the entire day, so that was good. Um, we had some, my wife made some very good food. I was supposed to make the food, but then, I don't know, something happened. Like, I had to work till 11 o'clock Thursday night, so she cooked. Nice. Very nice. Well... I got to, uh, I had the honor of sponsoring a kiddish. I just want to share this. Uh, if people don't know, I guess, uh, how do you describe a kiddish? That's uh, after, uh, that's a kiddish luncheon. Kiddish is when, when, when you act like a child that's being kiddish. <laughs> that's right. So but I that's sponsored... not what you mean. <clears throat> oh. 
so I sponsored a kiddish lunch for the community, this Jewish, uh, this Orthodox Jewish community that I uh, belong to, and that um, really they saved my life here in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. So I want to give a shout out to them. They were incredible. And um, I spent seven months there, and it was the most incredible seven months, and I saw miracles happen. Uh, and so I sponsored a kiddish to thank them. I paid for a, a lunch for the whole community, and it was very expensive, babe. I couldn't even. I have to make installments. I still haven't paid it off. That's. I'm like, boy, they got quite a racket going on there with people sponsoring kiddish. I'm like, yeah, I'd like to have some cholent, a deli, salad, chopped liver, egg salad. Oh my god, do you know how much money that costs for a whole community? I'm going to be wow. paying this off for uh, months. <laughs> but anyway, you're in Ben Salem. I'm not in Ben Salem, but I drive to their community for Shabbos. I'm only uh, like 25 minutes that's, away. That's where the IRS is, no? I have no idea, dude. <laughs> um, so it was very nice, and uh, they got me this beautiful, uh, uh, for my send-off to Israel, I, I was really touched. I had to make a big speech. I made a nice speech. It was funny and, and, and whatever, and you know, I made a lot of very close friends. But they bought me this silver Kiddush cup. With a silver plate, you know, you hold the Kiddush cup on the plate, and it was engraved, and it was engraved with something beautiful. And then they gave me a silver um, uh, for Chavdala, a uh, besamin, mm-hmm. uh, which is where you put spices in it. You put spices in this for people who don't know, and then we you smell the spices uh, during the Chavdala. Uh, and anyway, so they gave me that, and it was incredible, and a beautiful card, and it was just really very touching and emotional. And uh, but I tell you, it's all for nothing because if I, if I don't leave for Israel, they're gonna take back the Kiddush cup. <laughs> when, when I was in fifth grade, so my father had gone ahead to California, and he told I was living in Missouri with my mother and my sister, and we were told that we're going to be moving to California. So I was the end of fifth grade. It was in May, I guess, or whatever. They made a huge party for me with a cake and everything, and a goodbye party. It was really yeah. sweet. And then he changed his plans. So the next next September, I'm still in school. The next year, they didn't make me a party. But I know what you're talking about. I know, and I'm, and this is all going to. And the Jerusalem consulate's going to make me look bad. They're going to. I'm going to show up the next Shabbos. They're going to be like, "What are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Israel." Sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we'll start to show off. I I do have a, a story that I wanted to get to last week, but I didn't get a chance to. This is a great article. It's called entitled. Why Muslims hate dogs so much? <laughs> Did you know that? I knew that they they're not especially fond of them, but I didn't know why. Yeah. So apparently there was a video uh of of a, a period of a Muslim girl covered from head to toe in all black burqa, dancing to a song that praised Islam and cursed the infidels. That is all non-Muslims. <laughs> we are an infidel. Um the video it says here the video would make ISIS proud. Anyway, apparently in this video, she's degrading dogs. And so this article is like, why do Muslims hate dogs? And I guess apparently, um, from what this article says, it says, where does this hate come from? As usual, the prophet of Islam, Muhammad, according to Abdullah bin Omar, I love these names, uh, which is recorded in their, uh, their book. What's their book called? I don't know. The Muslim book? The Quran. Um, says the messenger of Allah used to order the killing of dogs. So we used to send men to Medina and its adjoining vicinity, and we spared no dog, but rather it, translation of Arabic text, 
So Muhammad later revised his decision by allowing dogs that earn their keep by herding, hunting, or guarding to exist unmolested. Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> Do not molest the dogs because they're going to herd your goats. <laughs> anyway, so uh, because this guy Muhammad hated dogs, now the, the Muslims, they hate dogs unless they're used for um, herding. Ruff! Ruff! <laughs> hey, don't molest me. Anyway, uh, so I just thought that was a fascinating article. I didn't realize that Muslims uh, hate dogs. Did you know that? I've seen videos of you know, dogs being mistreated in some some Muslim areas. <clears throat> yeah, well, anyway, so it's just kind of interesting fact here. So, um, all right, so uh, I guess we're not going to, you know, it's not going to, I guess no wonder you don't find any uh, Muslims working at the SPCA. <laughs> You know, yes, yes, you have, like, there are Muslims who aren't anti-Israel. I know there you are. Know? Yeah, secular Muslims. And what's his name? No, no, they're, they're observant Muslims, but they, they're, you know, kind of, I don't know, I guess you would compare them to reform, maybe, or something. They don't believe everything that, that, that's in the book, um, or they interpret it a different way. The, um, what's his name? Um, what's his name? Mordechai Kedar. Mordechai Kedar works at Bar Ilan University. He's a brilliant guy. And he speaks fluent Arabic. And he says that he gets emails from Arabs all over the world saying, like, you know, on the down low, we're fine. We think Israel's great. We just can't say anything because they'll cut off our heads. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, I know. I, I've heard that before where, like, in, in private, they'll tell you, uh, hey, listen, we have nothing against you. But then as soon as another Muslim comes around, they're like, hey, get away from me, you infidel. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> Um, anyway, look, some sad news over the weekend, uh, which I didn't realize because I don't watch the news anymore. But before, but what were triggered my memory is before we go on the air, our producer always says, okay, it's five o'clock. And that kind of triggered my memory because, you know, uh, the saying is, uh, it's, oh, it's five o'clock somewhere, which means it's happy hour, which reminded me that Jimmy Buffett, uh, he passed away over the weekend. Uh, were you a Jimmy Buffett fan? I don't know any of his songs at all, but I know that Paul McCartney liked him very much. <laughs> okay. That doesn't make sense, but I don't know why. You, okay. It makes sense. That's because of the most recent thing I saw about Jimmy Buffett was Paul McCartney saying how awesome he was. And okay. he talked about Jimmy's song that's the gummy just kicked in, I think is one of his more recent songs. <laughs> um, yeah, so he was like a big uh, – his, his fans were called Parrot Heads. I don't know if Jimmy Buffett was Jewish. I don't think so. But his songs were very, like, beachy, and he always toured every summer. And, like, you know, you, when you go to the beach, you think of Jimmy Buffett. You think of, like, when you go to, like, Florida or nice tropical islands, you think of Jimmy Buffett. Margaritaville was his biggest hit. And uh, I don't know. It just kind of reminded me that, uh, you know, when, before we go on the air, when we say, oh, it's 5 o'clock, uh, you know, it's happy hour. It's five o'clock somewhere. Let's get a margarita. It reminded me of Jimmy Buffett. So uh, anyway, I just thought uh, I would share that uh, he passed away. So um, I don't know if he's Jewish or not, but uh, I just thought I'd share that news. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> You're going to the big beach in the sky now. All right. Stay with us, all you parrot heads, and we'll be right back after these messages.
Has the news got you down? Not with these funny guys. You're listening to Lighten Up with Steve Miller and Roya Mosinian. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Israel News Talk Radio, the show Lighten Up. My name is Steve Miller, and uh, let's welcome back Yosef Kaner. Yosef, what's going on, brother? I've got a hunk of hunk of burning love. I've got a story, actually. Hi oh um, that's perfect that's what you were this is the job this is your job to have stories you, for the thank show you, thank you I'm just doing my job so this is a story it's not a funny story but it's a very inspiring story and a nice story oh and there's okay. there's not enough nice in the world you know what I mean yes so there is a guy from South Africa named Kivi Bernhard Kivi wrote a book called leopardology and I'd never heard of the book until I heard the story and But he's apparently a really big deal in the business world. He's like an innovator. He's got great ideas. Everybody wants him to speak at their event. So, oh. and, he, and he's an observant Jew. He keeps okay. shops. Okay. So he's from, he's from South Africa. Okay. And he was asked to speak at a Microsoft, I think it was a Microsoft um, thing, that was, that was on the 30th of whatever month it was. And so yeah. he said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll speak there. And then, then he, he didn't pay attention to what day of the week that was. Right. It, it turned out to be Shabbos. Okay. So he contacted them and he said, he said I, I can't, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that you're doing this on Saturday, but I'm observant, I can't do this for you. And they, they called him up, and they were, they were very upset because a lot of people, big people, were supposed to be there. And he said, and, and they, so the, the, I forget who it was, but somebody big up in the organization that was having him be the speaker, they said, look, we're going to send you a blank check. You can fill it out for whatever you want. We have to have you speaking. And he goes, he said, you can fill it out six figures, seven figures, whatever you want. We don't care. We need you there. Oh, my so, God. So he's, he's, in, he's in demand, this guy. And he said, he said, that's, that's really nice, but that's not the point. The point is I can't, you know, it doesn't matter how much you want to pay me. I can't do it because it's on Shabbos. So they were very upset with him, but they had no choice. They changed the event to a Sunday and then he spoke and everything was fine. And so the um, person who was in who, the, the same one who offered him the check um, was on a plane with Bill Gates because it's a Microsoft event. And Bill Gates said, what was, what was this thing where you had to you move something from Saturday to Sunday? What was all that noise about? And he explained what the story was. And Bill Gates said, didn't you like try to, try to you know, throw some money at him? And he said, we tried. He didn't want it. We offered him you know, huge amounts of money. He said, no, because it's the principle. And Bill Gates was very impressed that I, maybe it's the first time he's met somebody who you can't buy. <laughs> but it, but it, was really, it was just a very nice story. This guy wow. just didn't. wanted to keep his principles it didn't matter how much money you're going to give him wow that's incredible and then bill gates was like ah something that money can't buy shabbos and holiness and hashem yeah and that's he said it's, it's a, he said it's like a, it's such it's a valuable thing that every jew has that's right but not every jew does <laughs> i don't know you know what i would have done this is what i'll be honest with you i would have filled out the check for like a hundred million dollars and i still would observe shabbos <laughs> <laughs> what do you think would have happened? <laughs> well, then your story wouldn't have made it into the yeshiva world. <laughs> the yeshiva world. Is that where this story came out of, yeshiva world? It, it, it's everywhere. It's there. It's Jerusalem Post. It's, it's a lot of places. Arut Sheva. Oh. So since we're getting into, uh, we're getting into uh, touching stories, I don't know. Our producer just put this up. Recently, a family celebrated their son's bar mitzvah at the Kotel. 
in Jerusalem. Uh, but while trying to get there, the father couldn't find a parking, couldn't find any parking and would have missed his own son's bar mitzvah. So he decided to park illegally on the red and white zone, which is a 500 shekel fine. He left a note for the police to explain to them the situation and even told them he turned on his parking payment app, Pango, I never heard of that, to at least pay for the parking. After the family came back to the car, they saw this fine on the windshield, and the father asked his son how much it was. His son replied that there is no amount, just two words, saying Mazel Tov. Oh, isn't that sweet? That is so nice. What an, understa- what an understanding police officer that was. Oh, look, there's a picture of it. Yeah. Oh, here really, it is. That's really wow. sweet. Wow. Mazel Tov. You know what? And people say bad things about Israel. I mean, Israelis, and how they're insensitive and rude and pushy. Let me tell you something. God bless them. That's a great story. Two great, wonderful stories here on Lighten Up. (laughs) Here's a story. I have a story. Here's a story of a man named Brady. (laughs) Remember that story? (laughs) Who's Brady? Brady Bunch. Who was living with three boys of his own. And the one day when this fellow met this lady and they became a big balagan. (laughs) The Brady Bunch. You never heard of the Brady Bunch? I've heard of the Brady Bunch. I don't think I've ever watched it. What years was that on TV? Like 68 to 71, 69 to 72, something like that. I mean, it was Hmm. before my time, but it's playing Hmm. on reruns. Anyway, all right, we're going to move on because you have not watched any TV or movies. Um, hey, uh, you want to hear some Joe Biden news? <laughs> Don't do we have to? This is great. Biden says he went to his house in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, because he can't go home. Oh, no. <laughs> it says there's maybe no place like home. But Joe Biden says he cannot go to his home. Unprompted. He was in Rehoboth Beach. Apparently, this millionaire, billionaire who gets money from China, uh, has a house in Rehoboth Beach and in Wilmington, Delaware. But he can't go to his house in Wilmington, Delaware, because the man has been president for three years. He's going into his last year, and the C- and the security, the Secret Service, still has not made his house secure enough for him to spend weekends in Wilmington. This is unbelievable. I, this is like, I don't know if they're doing this on purpose. Maybe they want something to happen to him. But it says here on Sunday uh, in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, he was returning back to his beach home from mass, from church. And the, and the, and the, uh, and, uh, the, the press was saying, you know, why are you spending so much time here? And he goes, I have, no, I have no home to go to, said Biden, who lives at the White House on weekdays and spends most weekends in Delaware where he has two homes. Boy, what a tough life. And uh, it says here uh, at the end, hold on, let me get, because I screenshotted his, his, his lovely quote, which is just very funny. Um, he goes, ask Sunday if he was staying, if he was stating that he was homeless. Biden said, that's not the case. No, I, I, I'm not homeless. He said, I, what are you doing? Are you opening up your shades? Do you know how much noise that's causing in my ear? And now it's disturbing the whole show. You have, you have no idea. Do you know how radio works? This, this, just, is, this is radio? You're just living your life and not caring that you're in the middle of the show. Last week, you opened the door for the laundry guy. That you was, just left me was, on air that was by myself. Two, that was two weeks ago. 
Right now you're. Like, it wasn't just like, any laundry guy. Those were our blankets. <laughs> Those were our blankets, dude. You you're so funny. You don't even realize. All right. So anyway, Joe Biden says, "No, I'm not homeless." He said, "I just have one home. I have a beautiful home. I'm down here for the day because I can't go home. Home." That's his quote. I'm down here for the day because I can't go home. Home. This guy is the biggest moron. I I I, I just this is just unbelievable. So apparently Joe Biden is homeless. Do you believe that, that the Secret Service can't secure his home in Wilmington, Delaware? Do you believe that? I don't believe it. I don't know why this is happening to the former vice president. <laughs> oh, God. It's so funny, isn't it? Anyway, so that's, uh, that's my story on Joe Biden. And apparently there's Republican, convent, uh, Republican debates. I have no idea what's going on in this country because I'm too concerned about where's my visa? I don't care about elections. I'm not voting anymore in America. <laughs> please, God. Please, Hashem. If you're listening to Lighten Up, bring my visa. Please, please, Hashem, please. Okay. You can still vote in American elections even if you're here. I could care less. I'm not voting anymore. I'm done. I tried that, and they took my vote away from me and put in this retard. Anyway, don't say that word. Anyway, do you have any stories that you'd like to share before we wrap it up? I think we have, what, three minutes, two minutes? Something I, like I, that. I used up my story. I love it. You have a whole week to prepare for the show, and you come up with one story. Well, it's not I, even a, it's a, it's an inspiring story. Yes, it was, but just one? My I God. Have, I do have another one, actually. Okay, so share it. we got two minutes left. Go ahead. Just Whoa, okay. okay, this is a, just a, a very sweet story. The the heading of it is two, two friends, forty two years of daily Talmud study. There, you know, there's a custom in in Judaism of learning. Not only you learn the Bible and, and things like that, but you also learn the the Gemara, Talmud, and Mishnah. Yeah, you got to so, tell the people what the Talmud is. Not all our listeners okay. know. Okay, so the the uh, the Mishnah is a, it's they call it the oral law. It's traditional interpretations of Jewish law that the rabbis put put down into writing, and then the the Talmud is interpretations of those interpretations so in other words there's a there's a lot to learn there's a lot of and it's yeah. a jewish thing to learn torah every day these two men live in a moshav let's see how, what ages are they one of them is 84 and one of them is 91 they've been friends for for 42 years they both survived the holocaust they i don't know exactly how they met but they've been learning pretty much every day one, one's from hungary they, it says here they lived through two death marches in the snow. They immigrated to Israel at the age of eight, and they were among the founders of Kfar Maimon, which is a, 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 a you know a town in Israel. Um, they, they they and then they fought in the Lehi. This is before the establishment of the state, and then they then they studied in Merkaz of Rabbi Shiva. Anyway, these guys have been studying together every day, pretty much for wow. forty-two years. Wow. Every day. Wow, that is, that is, you should have started off with that. That's better than the Microsoft story. Wow, through wars and death marches. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. a couple this, of, couple of bros, you know. This is an inspiring show. This is not funny anymore. Now it's inspiring. Lighten Up is now an inspiring show. No more comedy. Comedy is dead on Lighten Up thanks to Yosef Kaner. Thank you, Yosef. And we'll we be back after these messages. You will.
Has the news got you down? Not with these funny guys. You're listening to Lighten Up with Steve Miller and Roya Mosinian. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, everybody, to our third and final segment. This is Lighten Up on Israel News Talk Radio, your favorite news source for all things Israel. Anyway, Joseph, what's going on? Uh, Not much, man. What's happening? What's happening over there? Uh, nothing. Joseph, actually, I just really quickly, uh, there was a, you just reminded me, there was a huge concert in New York City. Ishai Rebo, who is an incredible Israeli singer, very soulful. I, I'm a big fan of his. If anyone of our listeners, I'm sure everybody knows who he is. He's, he's world famous now. And he was playing at Madison Square Garden. Is that what you said? Madison Square Garden. Yeah, my wife is also a big fan. She's like, he's coming to our town. When's coming he coming? Because when is he coming? Because I want to go see him when I when I get to Israel. If my visa ever shows up, <laughs> I will give you details off the air. Okay, because I, I definitely want to go to a concert when I get to Israel. All right, here. Speaking of New York, uh, so you know what else went on this weekend in New York, which is I guess still going on, is the uh, U.S. Open. You a tennis fan? Uh, no. <laughs> of course not. You, 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 you're a fan of nothing. I don't have a sports gene. Okay. I've, I've discussed this with friends. I do not have a sports gene. When there's a game on, I wish both teams well. They should both be healthy. I don't care who wins. Okay. Uh, so anyway, when I think of the U.S. Open, I think of COVID. Because last year at this time, I had COVID. And also my father passed away, which t- tonight starts my father's second yard site. So it was two years ago I had COVID. I'm sorry. Um, but I remember during COVID, all I did was sit and watch the U.S. Open. Anyway, so here's the this is so the U.S. Open is, is going on right now here in America, which is a big tennis tournament. And here's the title of this article. Like Snoop Dogg living like Snoop Dogg's living room smell of pot wafts over the notorious U.S. Open court. So apparently people are smoking pot in the audience, in the crowd, and pot smell is going everywhere, and it's affecting the players. It says it's become a stink at the U.S. Open. A pungent marijuana smell that wafted over an entire court clouded the concentration of one of the world's top players and left the impression there's no place left to escape the unofficial scent of the city. So tennis players are getting stoned, getting contact highs, because people are... Uh, rolling up blunts and, and lighting spliffs. And he's uh, like, hey, man, yeah, what, what, the, the, what's the score? 30 love? I love to be in love, man. <laughs> so this, this, was in, this was in a state where the, use, the recreational use of cannabis is legal or no? I guess so. I have no idea. I mean, people smoke pot anyway, whether it's legal or not. It says it happened on Court 17. Definitely smells like Snoop Dogg's living room, said Alexander Zarev. This was one of the this is one of the guys who participated in the U.S. Open. He's ranked 12th uh, in uh, in the world. And he was like, he says it smells like Snoop Dogg's living room in this place. And these guys have to play tennis. Well, well, why the you know, you ever I've been to concerts before where it's like, oh, my God, it's very pungent. You're like, oh, my God, someone's smoking pot like really close by. I mean. Do you think anyone was smoking pot at the Ishai Rebo concert? Ishai Rebo, because he's like a religious singer. Most of his fans are religious Jews. There's no, you know, there are observant Jews who use cannabis. It just depends on, of course, you know, they follow the laws. But but uh, there's not necessarily anything 
halachically against it. I'm sure, again, two rabbis, three opinions. I'm sure you'll find some rabbi that says you can't, but I, I know a particular rabbi. I asked him after he became observant if he changed his, uh, I, I can tell you, I can tell you who it is. Well, no, I won't tell you who it is. Never mind. <laughs> it's but you. It's not, I, I don't have uh, ordination. <clears throat> I'm not here. actually, yeah, okay, I'm just go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. No, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I, uh, although I think probably legalization, as long as it's done intelligently, is a good idea. I'm not a, a fan of marijuana. I, d I don't like, I, d I tried it in high school, and I don't like feeling like your legs are melting. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like being calm without any hallucinations. Oh, here's the answer to your question. So it says here, it's legal in New York for adults 21 and older to possess up to three ounces of cannabis and up to 24 grams of concentrated cannabis for personal use. And they may smoke or vape cannabis wherever smoking tobacco is allowed. So apparently it's allowed and every all the tennis players in the U.S. Open got really stoned and wasted and they couldn't play tennis. <laughs> anyway. Although if they're equally stoned, then that's kind of a handicap for both of them. So then it shouldn't really affect the score. That's right. And then it was also noted that afterwards, uh, one of the uh, then they started uh, one of the tennis players uh, actually made a bong out of his tennis racket, and they were smoking his racket. <laughs> Hi, oh, interesting. Three ounces they're allowed to have. I guess that's a lot, isn't it? That's. Uh, I'll tell you, as far as I know about I the know, laws, the laws in know. Israel, the yeah. laws in there, Israel seems to be on its way to legalization of of. Uh, what do you call it? Recreational use, but it's very, very slow. And if a person is caught with less than 15 grams, which is three <clears throat> ounces is 85 grams. That's a lot. But if a person has less than 15 grams, then he gets a fine. Wow. Okay, a fine. Big deal. If he can afford the pot, he can afford the fine. <laughs> because like everything else, I'm sure pot is super expensive in Israel. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, what I do know is that if you have a cell phone, you will get on, li on lists of people trying to sell weed, and you'll get like a text message. They're offering this, they're offering that, but this kind of delivered to your door, all this kind of... Wow. I've never taken advantage of it, but you just, they, they advertise it everywhere. Okay. Oh, hey, listen, uh, we have some new listeners that I was told to acknowledge. We have the UK listening. And Colombia and South Africa. Hello. How are you? Hey, speaking of pot and drugs, Colombia, don't they supply America with a lot of pot and cocaine? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And people. <laughs> and people, that's right. Um what's, you spark something. Oh yeah. Uh nah, forget it. I'm not gonna share it. Anyway, here we should get to the uh <clears throat> anti Semitism portion of the show. Everyone loves to hear about Jew hatred, don't they? <laughs> Everyone. Anyway, this you is an article. Ahead. This is an article I find. You find this interesting. It says New Jersey Township to pay five hundred and seventy thousand dollars in suit alleging discrimination against Orthodox Jews. Now, this is in Lakewood, New Jersey. Now, let me tell you something. Lakewood, New Jersey. I've been there. All these people uh, from this Orthodox community that I had a kiddish lunch that I couldn't afford. <laughs> All these people. Most of them are from Lakewood. I've been to Lakewood. It's a beautiful community. Yes, it's like it. you drive there and it looks like Jerusalem. It's all Hasidic. 
It's all Jews and Mexicans. <laughs> I've never seen so many Jews and Mexicans than in Lakewood, New Jersey. But anyway, it says, after allegedly seeking to dissuade Haredim from moving in, Lakewood neighbor Jackson Township agrees to repeal discriminatory ordinances and work to protect religious freedom. Now, I'll tell you what's going on in Lakewood, New Jersey. Lakewood, New Jersey is very expensive to live in, and that's because all these Jews are moving in. And, of course, whatever, it's driving up the real estate. Like any time where lots of people start want to live in one area, it drives up the real estate. It really doesn't matter that they're Jewish. It's more about supply and demand. So now the overflow is hap- is uh, Jews, uh, Orthodox Jews are now uh, overflowing in townships uh, around Lakewood. One of them is this Jackson Township, which I happen to know people who live there. And apparently, I guess, the township was trying to stop them from moving, uh, not only with your classic Jew hatred by, hey, let's try to stop the Jews by spray painting swastikas on there, uh, but they would try to um, uh, make laws about not putting up eruvs and whatever. They were just They just caused a a big mess to make life very difficult for these Jews to live in uh, Lakewood and the surrounding areas. And anyway, the uh, attorney general, they uh, found out, whatever, and uh, they, uh, they, they, they got uh, $575,000 from Jackson Township. They're, they're going to pay, I guess, I don't know who they're going to pay, but they're going to pay the state of the, the county of Lakewood or I don't know. For basically for trying to target Orthodox Jews and adopt policies and procedures uh, that uh, would uh, hurt them. Anyway, so that, that's what's going on in uh, New Jersey. But I just find it disgusting. What say you? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know the fine. I understand that, but the 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 bottom line is: are they going to? Are the Jews going to be able to do be Jewish there without the city getting in getting in the way? You know. Yes. 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 It says now. Uh, they, yeah, they're, they're, they're saying, um, they're saying here, Jackson Township will pay 575,000 in penalties and restitution funds, repeal the ordinances that allegedly targeted Orthodox Jews and adopt new policies and procedures that protect religious freedom. So they're, they're going to, they're going to retract all their laws against Jews. That seems... it seems it seems fair because I'm I'm looking at the story also, uh, for example, you, like you said, you couldn't put up an Arab if if somebody's listening that doesn't know what that is. A, a Jew is not allowed to carry on Shabbos on the Sabbath if there's no if there's no Arab, which is a certain kind of fence. That right. It's it's a technical thing. So they weren't allowed to put up Arabs. They weren't allowed to have Jewish schools. They were there were yeah, laws, correct, laws correct. against that. And what else was there? Um, Something else, I forgot. Yeah, they try to ban yeshivas there and, and religious schools for girls and whatever. The point is, you know, I have to tell you, in my opinion, I think, I, I, you know, people get so bent on a shape. Orthodox Jews are they're taking over and, you know, but you know what? Let me explain one thing. When when the community is filled with an Orthodox Jewish community, community, there's no crime, right? Because if the Jews are moving in, then all the riffraff, whatever, they'll either move out because they're, they're driving up the price of cost of living and then the riffraff can't afford to live there and uh so you know people should be a little uh you know people all these liberals and they all scream tolerance but for everybody except for the jewish people and i don't understand there's nothing wrong you know i was in uh lakewood and it's a beautiful community and okay so it looks like uh jerusalem <laughs> it looks like the holy land uh you know the, the small version of jerusalem but whatever it is what it is it's not like they're uh 
you know, it's better than going into North Philadelphia and Philadelphia where I live, where you, where there's 300 murders a month. You don't see Jews murdering other people. So it's just, you know, it's disgusting. And this is why part of the reasons I'll be honest with you, why I'm leaving this country, because it's just it's it's ridiculous. And people think it's you know, it's it's only gotten worse uh, in the last since 2016. Things have gotten really bad because now things are accepted and tolerated. But, you know, we shouldn't have to go through lawsuits and and because it just creates more animosity right now mm-hmm. now people oh we have to pay five hundred seventy five thousand dollars uh so these jews can live here in peace it just creates more hatred underneath and so it really doesn't solve anything you know so anyway everyone should just go to israel please that's where we need the jewish people that's where god told us to live jews are from judea and that's where we need to live we're not supposed to be in florida we're not supposed to be in lakewood or brooklyn or or you know anywhere else Besether? I hear you. <laughs> anyway, all right. So we'll move on. You don't have another story, do you? I have a really uh, cool story here that I want to share. Uh, this is interesting. Um, well, I don't know if I'm going to say this story here. Oh, actually, maybe I will. So did you hear about this guy in Jerusalem? It says Jerusalem police collect 32 testimonies uh, of women against a guy named Jake Siegel. Did you hear this story? Is this the guy who has a wife and a few kids and kind of has a, a, an alter, what do they call it, an alter, alter. ego? Yes. He's, he's like, in his, in his daytime life, he's an observant Jew, normal guy. He's a rabbi. Oh, he's okay. And then he goes out with girls and, and pretends to be a single dude in the evenings, I guess, or I'm not sure when. That's right. Yep. Correct. Yep. My, and my, he, my wife saw the story, and my wife's son is his neighbor or something like that, and was was amazed when he found out this was happening. So it says here, who who was Jake Siegel? As Siegel, his the real guy's name is Yosef Kaner. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> his name is Yosef, though. Uh, P- P- uh, Pariser presented himself on dating websites and applications as a single secular, too religiously traditional seeing uh, eye dog trainer. I guess he, he created a. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm an eye dog trainer. Uh, I love how he made up a, a profession. That's really funny. Um, I bet you the Muslims won't like that because uh, he, he works with dogs. <laughs> anyway, uh, in reality, he was a rabbi at a Jerusalem yeshiva married with two children. And he was an American citizen in his mid 30s. Oh, man, you know, this just gives us a bad name. It says here uh, the police, uh, I guess uh, he said he had relationships with women misrepresenting himself and identity. Uh, and apparently it is against Israeli law to have consensual relations obtained by deceit respective to one's identity. So this is a big no-no in Israel. I guess I have to come to Israel and I have to be myself. <laughs> I can't pretend to be someone else. You can't pretend to be a dog trainer. That's, that's true. That's right. So this guy pretended to be a secular dog trainer and went out with women he only trains uh, secular dogs. Roof, <laughs> roof. Secular dogs. That's funny. Um, yeah, and he would have relationships with these women. This is just fa- this just boggles the mind. And you know, look, I, I, you know, when anyone commits adultery. I'm. I have adultery is, is is and cheating and and being a sota, whether you're a male or a female. A sota means you commit adultery. Anyway, it's just disgusting behavior. I, 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 I have a real thing for it. And I, I, it's just like, and his wife and his kids. So I guess now he's, I wonder if he's going to give his wife a get. 
It's just sad. You know, it, it's and this is it's human nature. Everybody's got their weak point, you know what I'm saying? It's just sad. It's sad. I just feel love bad for you. the kids. I know. <laughs> it just he's on websites. Yeah, I'm a sec I'm a dog trainer. Let's go out. Meanwhile, he's a head yeshiva guy in Jerusalem. He's like, if you're so secular, what's with the long beard? I wonder if he had a fake beard. <laughs> and he would put the beard on when he was in the yeshiva and then took the beard off when he went on. There, there was a similar, not similar, but another story. This was a family. The family was, you know, to, if you look at them from the outside, they were an observant Jewish family. They were really Christian missionaries that pretended to be observant Jews. And they, they, you know, did everything a normal rabbi would do, except I guess on the, on the down low, they try to convert people. And their oh, neighbors man. also were completely surprised that, you know, they had no idea. Wow. That is crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. So anyway, it just gives us a bad name. Uh, look, you know, there's always a bad apples in every group. So, uh, you know, but for the, m m the majority, this is a rarity. And of course, of course, he's got to be American who made Aliyah, however long ago he made Aliyah. And he did this. So it's terrible. It's a Shonda. Anyway, do you have any stories? I do have a great story that we can finish out with. And then you want to. Uh, you want to surprise our audience with something, right, uh, Yosef, at the end of the show? Yep. Yep. That's, okay. that's the plan. That's the plan. Okay. So here, this is a great story I found. You're not going to believe this. Now, are, do you, you guys, do you have any pets in your house? You don't have a dog or a cat, do you? Cockroaches. <laughs> oh, God. Don't say that. Um, anyway, this is an unbelievable story. Missing dog reunited with Arizona family after 12 years. How insane is that? This story, it says here, uh, animal the dog, control. The dog went off to India to find himself. Then he went to Thailand. And then after 12 years, he said, I'm going back home. That's right. And you know who trained this dog? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Siegel. <laughs> anyway, it says here, animal control officers in Arizona said a dog picked up as a stray, was scanned for a microchip and found to have been missing from his family's home for 12 years. This happened wow. in Maricopa County, and uh, they, they, the animal control posted it on Facebook, and it says here the, the officer recently picked up a senior dog. Obviously, the dog left when he was two. <laughs> it said a senior dog who appeared a little shy and kind of sad. He never wagged his tail. That's because he was homeless for 12 years. How did this dog survive for 12 years? Oh, my God. It says here, the officer scanned the canine for a microchip, discovered his name was Minion, and uh, <laughs> she called the number on the microchip and left a voicemail. Can you imagine getting a voicemail after 12 years? They probably all forgot about their dog. They probably had another dog. They probably had several dogs because so, so much time had passed by. And it said here, uh, Minion's owner, who said the dog had been missing since running out through the back gate left open by a maintenance worker in 2011. Our field officer drove 15-year-old Minion back to his home. Oh, my God. How far, years. how far from his original home was he when they found him? Interesting. I don't think it says. It says she explained to his owner before having the kennel that Minion is old now and is not really a fast mover. <laughs> However, once she opened up the kennel, Minion saw his family and instantly started wagging his tail. Oh, boy, isn't this show filled with inspiration? So basically, and then and what the story doesn't tell you is then uh, the next day the dog died. 
a crazy story? Can you imagine that? Your dog is 12 years. The dog's 15 years old, and it survived. I mean, most dogs live to, what, 10, 12 years old, and that's being de- domesticated. Who knows this dog was living in the wild? I mean, oh, my God. Is that not an unbelievable story? Yeah, it, it's, it doesn't say. Like, somebody must have taken him in and then maybe got tired of him, or maybe he escaped their yard also. I, t- I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. They be- I bet you they fired that maintenance worker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I left your back gate open. Minion got out. Oh, he'll be back. Don't worry. Anyway, uh, whew, that's a good story. All right, Joseph, in our last 60 minutes, I mean, our last 60 seconds of the show, please, for the month of Elul, what are you going to do for the people? Well, you know, since next week there's not going to be a show, and then Rosh Hashanah is very, very close. There's a custom during the month of Elul every day you blow the chauffeur. If anybody doesn't know what a chauffeur is, that's a person who drives a car for you and wears a uniform. <laughs> no, that's not the only chauffeur. It's a ram's horn uh, that's hollowed out, and you can play it like a trumpet, except it doesn't have any, you know, keys on it or whatever. So I'm going to blow a chauffeur. So anybody who's listening can hear a chauffeur. I hope it works. Wait a second. Thank you. I thought you were going to like drop dead for a second there. You were running out of breath. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Yosef. That was beautiful. All right. <laughs> you have nothing to say. Thank you very much, Yosef. Thank you for blowing the show for. Thank you, everybody. I'm not sure when we'll have the show on next soon. Hopefully, I'll be in the Holy Land the next time I speak to you. Uh, Shavuot Tov, everybody.